Hello, everybody. This is the Business Boodle edition of the Dreamers and Doers podcast. I'm Brayden. I'm joined by my awesome co-host, Sammy Reyes. Hello, Brayden. So each week, we come to you live from the LoveWorks campus, where you will hear interviews from our younger and more experienced entrepreneurs to hopefully inspire, educate, and give you a powerful point of action to help your leadership and business. The Biz Boodle podcast partners with Norman Chamber of Commerce, who actually to see in Norman, Oklahoma, be a thriving business community. And it's powered by First Night Bank Norman, who's not like your typical bank. Their purpose is to inspire and empower others to spend life wisely. So big thank you to Norman Chamber of Commerce and First Night Bank for helping see our youngest entrepreneurs achieve their business dreams. So let's get into our first interview with our dreamer and doer, Stuart Hudson. Yes. So Stuart Hudson is the editor and co-publisher of Edible OKC, a culinary public publication dedicated to the emerging local food movement happening throughout central Oklahoma. Each of their publications include insightful features and stunning photography that tells the stories of restaurants nestled in our historic downtowns, local farms, artisans, chefs, baristas, winemakers, brewers, cheesemakers, home cooks, bakers, and beekeepers. Stewart graduated from McAllister College in St. Paul, Minnesota, and continued his education at Georgetown University Law Center in Washington, D.C. He has a background in writing, law, and specialty food events, engaging with, with and supporting the OKC and larger Oklahoma community, providing meaning and enjoyment to his life. In his personal life, Stewart is a father, husband, and an avid record collector. Post-pandemic, you'll be able to find him attached to a toddler at one of OKC's many fantastic record stores, enjoying a good meal with his family, or being a second shooter at his wife's photography gives. So hello, hello, Stuart. How are you doing today? Doing well. Thanks for the introduction. That was, oh, that was I, too kind. That was, you know, it was that perfect bio. I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> wow. I got to figure out who wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to get just jump into our first question. So we want to know... Are you, this is the Dreamers and Doers podcast, oh, we want yeah. to know, are you more of a natural dreamer or more of a natural doer? Uh, I think it depends what kind of situation I am, I'm in. I think when I'm in situations, especially if I'm alone and I and I see myself with a task that I have to do, I just jump right in, you know? It's like, especially if they're kind of like manual or have some kind of dexterity element working with your hands, spatial, you know, that kind of stuff, I just jump right into. Oftentimes when I'm in a group uh, or if I'm in, you know, working on a podcast mm-hmm. or something, um, I'll be more likely to work w- with other people and planning what we're going to do. And even down to like to the minutia, I love that kind of planning. And so I'm more of a dreamer in those scenarios. Uh, but when it comes down to it and someone gives me a task, jump on it and, and grind till I'm done. I love that. So we're going to dive a little more into like where does that come from? And so what was life like for you growing up and how did that kind of formulate into this dreamer and doer mindset? Uh, I was I was super lucky growing up. I had um, – a very stable home life. Um, I had went to a Montessori school growing up, which is uh, very focused on task-based work, which I think really contributed to my interest in like jumping into things if I see them right in front of me and, and can just knock them out. But it also gave uh, opportunity for a lot of critical learning, a lot of critical analysis skills, uh, thinking thinking about why I'm doing something, thinking about what the factors that go into it whether they're the factors that are in the room as I'm working or they're larger uh, societal factors, why things are set up the way they're set up, that really informed uh, that really informed uh, how I became the person that I am. Mm. Yeah. So, like, with that, like, growing up and stuff, we want to know, like, what was your first dream job? And, you know, did it have anything to do with what you're doing now? Well, I feel like um, at a loss, especially in comparison with you all and what you guys got going on here, because I'd never— uh, I never had a dream job. There is no such thing as a dream job. I mean, I spent, uh, you mentioned McAllister College. After that, I worked for 
a nonprofit that provided reentry services to guys who are coming out of prison and jail. So wraparound services like uh, access to healthcare, housing, um, insurance, things of that nature. And I love that, but it was never a dream job. I ended up going to law school. I worked in affordable housing and community development there and afterwards. That was never a dream job. I think I always, there was never this like one thing that stood out as something that I felt like I had to do and ended mm-hmm. up being really this collection of experiences that I had over time that whittled everything down into a, uh, a series of priorities that I had. And so there might be a thousand dream jobs out there for me, but the key is that they really uh, focus on those priorities that I developed through all these different experiences. That's really good. If you don't mind like diving into like what would you say would be your like top priorities? Oh my gosh. I've got a list uh, that uh, <laughs> I, it's, it's, Interesting, like five, where are we, 2020 now? Oh, geez, 2020 now, six years ago, uh, my wife and I sat down and we created a list of our respective priorities. So when you're have a when you in a partnership, whether it's a business or whether it's a marriage, um, you it's important that you got everyone's on the same page. And so we sat down, we made these lists of priorities. Each of us got five priorities. Um, and mine were uh, some, there were basic ones we both had, right? mental and physical health, financial security, um, some of mine that were a little higher up uh, just because of our different backgrounds. Uh, community involvement was really important to me. And then music, um, as you mentioned about record collecting. Took piano lessons a kid, as a kid, then drums. Uh, and then I bought my first set of turntables in high school and DJed a lot uh, after that through college and to law school a little bit. And so being music, uh, being involved in music in some way mm-hmm. and with the community was uh, were some of the pieces higher up on my priority list. Love that. That's yeah. super, super cool. And so getting back onto our questions, sure. you know, running a business, no less running anything can be very, very difficult. And Ooh. so can you tell us about that journey of becoming the editor and co-publisher? Yeah, yeah, sure. So the journey uh, uh, starts a little ways back. My um, I wrote in high school a lot, middle school, high school. I just fill up. Uh, page after page with kind of stream of conscious, not nonsense necessarily, but you know, whatever would come to mind, stream of conscious. Uh, and so uh, fast forward uh, to moving to Washington, D.C., uh, law school. If there's anything that law school helps you do, um, it's overthink things and then be very concise in your writing. Uh-huh. Uh, so whittling down, you know, 700 words to 400 words to fit the length of a brief that you needed to write or a section of the brief that you needed to write. Um, was a key part. At the same time, my wife was actually the creative director of Edible DC, which is the version of the magazine that exists in, in Washington, DC, owned by completely different groups. So I got used, I, I figured out uh, a little bit about what the magazine world was like uh, through her experience with Edible DC. I wrote, wrote for that magazine uh, uh, here and there and would go with her to shoots and all kinds of stuff. So I, I learned those pieces of it. And then fast forward to pandemic, or just pre-pandemic, uh, on, in February 2020, we learned my wife was pregnant. And March 2020, we were all sent home, uh, maybe never to return, who knows. And uh, so in April, we moved back to Oklahoma. Um, it was uh, We thought it was going to be for a couple months. Turns out it's probably permanent. Um, I grew up here, so it makes sense. So did my wife. And then, uh, and we had friends who were working on Edible OKC. They've been working on it since it's, uh, they'd owned it and uh, been editor and creative director since its inception in 2015. 
they had kids that they were dealing with homeschooling and all the kind of stuff that goes along with that. Uh, they were ready to get out of it. Uh, we'd been friends with them for a long time. And they said, hey, give it a, how about you guys give it a shot? And we said, we looked at our priority lists and kind of ticked things off and said, okay, it makes sense for us. And we joke that uh, we laid down for a nap on a Saturday afternoon before our son was born. And 15 minutes later, we figured out that we were going to uh, move to Oklahoma and uh, that we're going to start this business. And so when you have those priorities laid out, sometimes all you need is 15 minutes to make it as several very big <laughs> life-changing decisions. Yeah. That's super cool. I love that. So kind of with that, you know, a lot of our listeners are students who are either just starting a business or have an idea to start something. So what do you feel, other than, you know, having a priority list and all that, what do you feel are a few important things when starting something new? Oh, man. Uh, there are a lot of good points there. So um, knowing what moves you as a person, what motivates you when you get up in the morning, uh, what drives you, uh, you know, that, that in some ways really, really, excuse me, relates back to the priorities. But it's got to be something that you find fundamentally interesting, whether it's the exact subject matter like food or whether it's working with people, right? I mean, whether it's working in teams, whether it's working alone, depending on the kind of business that you want to have, that's a big piece. Um, the second and sometimes more important piece is figuring out what moves other people. So you're creating a business, uh, you're working on something, uh, you need people to consume whatever it is, whether it's media, whether it's salsa, whether it's uh, bracelets, whether it's the wrist bracelets, you know, you got to know, uh, you got to know your market. And so figuring out what other people want and why it moves them and why what you're thinking about creating might move them, uh, a key point. Um, the other one, uh, Research, research, research. Unless you're jumping into something that's already been created, like Edible OKC, um, knowing what the market is, what the constraints are, um, all those factors that play the most important role for people who might have come before you in creating something, doing that kind of research uh, is absolutely invaluable. Um, part of that is also knowing your competitors. What, why are other salsa makers out there uh, doing what they do? What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? How can you exploit that? How can your product be a little bit different than what everyone else is doing so that it has its own vibe, its own brand? Um, and then uh, one, maybe the key, other key important pieces is to um, talk to other people, um, get advisors, you know, fit, ha, do informational interviews. I had someone write me yesterday um, who is looking for uh, a summer position. We don't have a summer position open, already taken, uh, but she and I will sit down together on Friday and talk about what it's like to run a business, to work on a magazine, to be in the food journalism world. And she'll, she might more, learn more from that hour-long conversation than she might have ever learned at an internship, you know? And so reaching out to people constantly and saying, how do you do this? How does this, how does this work for you? Getting that kind of input is key. That's super great. Thank you so much for that advice. Um, kind of want to move on to a point you mentioned, and I can see you're really passionate about with the community. Yeah. And so you do serve, of course, with your work and everything, and you also serve a lot in your community. So can you tell us why serving in community is so important and why yeah. it's important to you? Uh, there's a subconscious level, you know, that everything, you know, about motivation operates within, and that's based on the models that you had growing up. Uh, my parents were really involved in uh, community development activities growing up, serving the community, public service as a general matter. So there's no doubt that as I was formulating what was important to me, part of that was what was important to them. And them, for for everyone, is a little bit different. It might be your parents, might be 
the people here at LoveWorks. It might be your friends, it, whoever you hang out with and whoever those influences are. Um, uh, so there's that kind of subconscious piece of just what you assume based on those you are around. Um, I think uh, there's another part of it that's more intentional and personally ex uh, uh, explicit for me personally, which is um, uh, which is the feeling of being compelled to um, sometimes it's sometimes it's honestly, sometimes it's like fixing a problem. You know, you see something and you and you can envision or you know what the solution is and you want to do it, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's no better use for those skills than serving other people. And then there's, you know, again, something you probably just build uh, passively, but then becomes explicit in your life, which is just the fact of having empathy. You know, you care about what other people are going through. You see their pain, you see their struggle. Um, you see the way, potentially the way things could be. And you, you know, want to make a difference with the few, you know, hours weeks, months, years that you've got to do that. So those are the factors. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, looking towards the future, oh. um, we really want to know, you know, what is a dream that you were working on or even thinking about Oof. pursuing? Oh, God, a dream. Jeez. <laughs> um, I would say uh, it sounds <laughs> it sounds um it sounds it's pretty personal, and it sounds like a little lower down and a very achievable thing for a dream. But I really want to start DJing again. <laughs> um, I DJed in high school. I DJed in college, both on the radio and like house parties. The last house party I DJed in DC got shut down by the police, which was a fantastic high point to hit. Like it was too loud, too late. <laughs> Uh, and the speakers were too big. It's a fantastic feeling. You you want someone like rapping on that door, being like, "Turn that music off." You know, you like you've hit that high point in life. Uh, and so it's been several years since I've DJed, in part because of pandemic. Uh, I've got a young son; he's eighteen months. Uh, I probably should limit my encounters with the police now that I have <laughs> a, a son. But uh, but I want to get uh, DJing again. It's something. It's also, in some ways, to me, like kind of like a little bit of a public service. You know, people can relax, people can enjoy mm -hmm. uh, whatever their time is, wherever they are, and sharing music that lets people do that is uh, is a wonderful thing. It's so cool! Love that dream. Yeah, thanks. That, that is definitely again achievable, but that's so awesome. Like, hey, I love that. It's nice to have achievable dreams. Yeah, of course, of course. All right, uh, going back to our audience, and a lot of us, we middle school, high school students out there, so. Yeah. Taking you out just a little bit, yes. what is a life lesson that you wish somebody would have shared with you back in middle school or high God, school? God, I don't know if I have, I don't know how much time we have, uh, <laughs> but the, there's so many things that uh, it took, and this is part, uh, uh, this may speak to Sammy Grace more, unfortunately, but uh, it takes a long time for men, uh, men's prefrontal boys, men prefrontal cortex to develop the front part of your brain that's due that, that plans and that thinks in the future and uh, does that effectively. So I kind of spent like, you know, my teens through my twenties uh, worried about my path. You know, I feel like I, I didn't know if I could really pl plan that well. And I always felt like I needed to have something, you know, it's like, it's nice to be on a well-worn path. It feels comfortable. It feels, uh, it feels, uh, feels like everything you think uh, a safe space should feel like. 
But the reality is that there are almost no strict paths anymore. You know, we, thinking thinking that, for example, you're going to go to law school and you're going to be in a law firm for the rest of your life. The reality is that that died with my generation. The millennials, I mean, every for us, it was like the re- revolutionary thing was that every six years we'd switch professions. Now it's even now it's even shorter than that with with Gen Z and and, and Alpha. And so the expectation that there is a path that you need to follow makes no sense. Uh, the reality is your your whatever your path is is going to be shaped by so many different experiences, and you want to have all those experiences in order to figure out what path works best for your priorities. So I wish I knew that a strict path or any like a defined path wasn't necessary. Mm-hmm. And then I think the other I'll stop with you because I'm a little <laughs> long winded. But I think the other thing that uh, that I wish I would have had more guidance on is how to focus my thoughts. I feel like I feel like you always have. I mean, I've, I felt this well through <clears throat> well through my twenties uh, that I had all these things that I thought I wanted to do. You know, I had uh, you think like, oh, I like doing this. Oh, I like doing that. I like doing this third thing. And then you're like, oh, geez, how do I make a decision? Uh, how do I make a decision about which of those to follow, how to follow them, why to follow them, uh, and why they matter to me? And I think I wish I would have had someone sit me down and be like, look, here are the three things that you like to do. Yes, you might be involved in, uh, let's say you like sports, right? You don't play sports, but you like sports a lot. Uh, you memorize stats of, of ball players that you that you love. You know who's playing who when. Well, the reality is you might actually not like sports. You might actually like just almost like tribal environments where it's two people against each other or two groups against each other. So actually maybe what you should get into is like politics because that is living in Washington, D.C. for 10 years. That's the nature of politics. So the component elements of why you like what you like Finding that out as early as possible, oh, my gosh. I wish someone would have sent me down to help me f- think through those things. It could have saved me uh, years in the wilderness, you know. Uh-huh. So. Yeah. That's so great. That's very, very practical advice. I feel like a lot of people, you know, can come on and just say some, like, really just shooting over. That's very, very <laughs> yeah. practical shoot advice. Shoot for the stars, yeah. and if you miss, you'll land yeah. in the clouds. I don't yeah. know. Shoot yeah. for the moon, something for like sure. that. But that was, thank you. That was really, really great advice. Yeah. And you have, I mean, you've dropped so many truth bombs on us right now. Like, I am trying to take notes. But for our last question, we really want to know if you've got one more little tip in you of any kind that you would like to share with our listeners and us that might want to start their own business. Oh, man. Uh, Yeah, I've got, I'll I'll do, I'll just keep it high level and uh, try to blow through them. So, a couple things. Know when to cut and run. Sometimes your business isn't going to make it. Set a point beforehand where you know this is it. You know, if we get to this point and it hasn't worked out, let's do something else. Uh, there's no heart. There's nothing wrong in doing that. Value creativity. That's the second one. Uh, you want creative people beside you, and you want to have that breadth uh, of space to activate whatever creative genes you've got. Um, don't hesitate to work long hours. Uh, but also be conscious of your mental health. Uh, people, especially when you're starting your own business, you just you put so much of yourself into it mm-hmm. uh, that it's so easy to forget that you need to sleep, you need to eat, you need to exercise. So you really need to protect that. And the last piece is to surround yourself with the absolute smartest people you can find, the people who care about you and the people who can contribute to your success. 
That's wow. awesome. <laughs> <Here>. Speechless. <laughs> thank you so, so much for your time. Oh, uh, thank you, guys. You're awesome. And oh, before geez. we completely leave off, is there anywhere else we can find Edible OKC or anything else you're doing? Oh, yeah. Okay, so go to edibleokc.com. On the right side of the page, you'll see a link to find a copy. You can pick up our magazine there. We have a website, Instagram, at edibleokc, uh, uh, on Facebook, too. And then um, we'll be putting stuff out constantly through, uh, uh, constantly both online and in print. So pick up a magazine uh, every other month from all those great places listed on our website. Awesome. That was so great. Thank you yes. again so much. Sammy, that was an awesome interview. Yes, was something it was. something that really stuck out to you? I mean, only one. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there was, I mean, he said a lot of things, but I really liked just like the when he was talking about the practical stuff, mm. you know, and, you know, doing your research and, you know, choosing a path and thinking about just everything. I mean, honestly, everything was just so great. The what about you? that path is going to change exactly. a whole, whole lot. And it's like I'm Hogwarts, s- like, stairs. <laughs> like, that's what it reminded me of I when you were talking that. about like it. That. Yeah. That's a great metaphor. Yeah. That's a fantastic metaphor. Yeah, I love that so much. And, again, you know, put your priorities because you don't know where you're going to be, but as long as you keep your priorities the same, I feel like— you can be happy basically any job you're working with. Yeah, um, I think that's true. But that's, that's awesome. Next week, viewers, we'll be back with two new business owners. I'll hopefully inspire, educate, and give you a powerful point of action to grow your idea or business. And you're awesome. You're already on the new profile. But if you know somebody that's not, make sure to send them the link. They need to be here. Yes, and we want to send another huge thank you to Norman Chamber of Commerce, First United Bank, the Cleveland County Fairgrounds, and Loveworks Leadership for believing in our young entrepreneurs. And remember, real leaders, they don't blend in. They stand out. Dream big. And do your dreams. Bye, y'all. And we are back with our amazing next entrepreneurs, the Connectors. They are an all-natural shampoo that will help leave your will leave your frizzy days behind. Their special blend will give you luxurious, luxurious, silky locks as well as clean your hair. So hello, hello. Can you guys introduce yourself just real quick to our viewers? Okay, I'm Jaylee Pierce. And I'm Genevieve Stone. So thank you so much for being here. Are you guys excited? Yes. We are so grateful here and just to learn more about you. So we're really excited to learn more about you and your story. Can you tell us more about the connectors and what gave you your idea for shampoo? So we were thinking about what we do naturally and what we do a lot of the time. And we thought, what is something everybody uses every day? And we thought of shampoo. And we were like, how are we supposed to make this different? Because there's a lot of shampoos. So we added some blended strawberries, and it has some effect on the color, and it makes it smell really good. Cool. Okay, I love that. So can you talk a little bit more about, you guys have a pretty cool name. So where did you come up with that name, and how did it all come together? Well, we were just sitting there, and we were thinking, and we that's how we came up with our product. And then our brains connected. So we Ooh. just, our brains connect. I love that. That is super, super that's good. That's great. So a lot of our listeners are young entrepreneurs just like you. So what were some of your challenges? Probably with communi- communication because we didn't have we didn't have everybody's numbers, but we got it all together mm-hmm. and we started working it out better. Yes, and marketing was pretty hard too. Yeah. So how would you say that you had those challenges? How did you overcome them? Well, we just kind of spent a lot of time together because we couldn't get communication. So all the time that we had to spend, we have to like time. We have to use our time wisely. So that's how we did that. Super fun. So we we love thinking about the future. We are the Dreamers and Doers podcast. And so can you guys let us in? What is like the next big dream for your business or even for yourself? What is that next big dream you're looking forward to? 
My our dream is to get it in a lot of stores over Oklahoma, and and keep expanding. Yes, right. because we're trying to get it to a market like a farmers market because we haven't sold yet, but we're looking forward to selling it. Yeah, I love that so much. Um, another question, kind of adding on to that, is like we kind of talked about the dreams, but let's talk about before it even happens. What were you really like? Ex- what, but what did you not expect when you came into this? Like, what didn't you expect going into business? We didn't expect, like, just all, it's just a lot of chaos. And we thought it might be a little bit easier, but it turns out it was really chaotic. It's really chaotic. I can agree with that. Yeah. So for our last question, what was one of your favorite parts about starting your business? Probably coming up with the name, and it was very fun coming up with the idea. Yeah, of course. Yes, and just marketing, like, marketing was tough, but it was also really fun, and just coming up with our logo. That's so fun. Connectors, thank you so, so much for your time. I know that the viewers out there, they're going to be so much better for it. And so before we go, do you have anywhere else we can find your product or business? Um, maybe on May 21st. Ooh, all right. We'll, we'll add all that information so our viewers can get it soon. So again, thank you so much. And viewers, we'll be back really, really soon with an next amazing guest and podcast. <laughs>